There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, I'm going to read for you Satoshi Nakamoto's Bitcoin white paper. I want to apologize. This week's shows have been different, really different. It's because I've been traveling, but we will get back to normal next week. Let's get into those crypto prices before we get into the white paper. I'm recording this at 7.15 a.m. Mountain Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $39,349, up a percent in 24. Ethereum is at $2,621, up 1.5%. Tether is number three. Binance Coin is at $374, up 1.5%. And USDC is number five. Running off the top 10, we have Terra, XRP, Cardano, Solana, and Avalanche. Total market cap, we're at $1.75 trillion, a BTC dominance of 42.4, and an F dominance of 17.9. The reason why I'm doing this is because there's a lot of people in the space that have never read the Bitcoin white paper. Well, that's all about to change. Enjoy. Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system by Satoshi Nakamoto. Abstract, a purely peer-to-peer version of electronic cash would allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. Digital signatures provide part of the solution, but the main benefits are lost if trusted third party is still required to prevent double spending. We propose a solution to the double spend problem using a peer-to-peer network. The network of timestamps and transactions by hashing them onto an ongoing chain of hash-based proof-of-work forming a record that cannot be changed without redoing the proof of work. The longest chain not only serves as the proof of sequence of events witnessed, but proof that it came from the largest pool of CPU power. As long as the majority of CPU power is controlled by nodes that are not cooperating to attack the network, they will generate the longest chain and outpace attackers. The network itself requires a minimum structure. Messages are broadcasted on the best ever basis, and nodes can leave and rejoin the network at will accepting the longest proof-of-work chain as proof of what happened while they were gone. Part 1. Introduction Commerce on the Internet has come to rely mostly exclusively on financial institutions as serving as trusted third parties to process electronic payments. While the system works well enough for most transactions, it still suffers from the inherent weaknesses of the trust-based model. Completely non-reversible transactions are not really possible since financial institutions cannot avoid mediating disputes. The cost of mediation increases transaction costs, limiting the minimal practical transaction size and cutting off the possibility for small, casual transactions. And there is the broader cost in the loss of ability to make non-reversible payments for non-reversible services. Without the possibility for reversal, the need for trust spreads. Merchants must be wary of their customers, hassling them for more information than they could otherwise need. A certain percentage of fraud is accepted and unavoidable. These costs and payment uncertainties can be avoided in person by using physical currency, but no mechanism exists to make payments over a communication channel without a trusted party. 
What is needed is an electronic payment system based on cryptographic proof instead of trust, allowing two parties willing to transact directly with each other without the need for trusted third parties. Transactions that are computationally impractical to reverse would protect sellers from fraud, and routine escrow mechanisms could easily be implemented to protect buyers. In this paper, we propose a solution to the double spend problem using a peer-to-peer -peer distributed timestamp server to generate computational proof of the chronological order of transactions. The system is secure, as long as the honest nodes collectively control more CPU power than any cooperating group of attacker nodes. Part 2. Transactions We define an electronic coin as a chain of digital signatures. Each owner transfers the coin to the next by digitally signing a hash of the previous transaction and the public key of the next owner and adding these to the end of the coin. A payee can verify the signatures to verify the chain of ownership. The problem, of course, is that the payee can't verify that one of the owners did not double spend the coin. A common solution is to introduce a trusted central authority, or mint, that checks every transaction for double spending. After each transaction, the coin must be returned to the mint to issue a new coin, and only coins issued directly from the mint are trusted not to be double spent. The problem with this solution is that the fate of the entire money system depends on the company running the mint, with every transaction having to go through them just like a bank. We need a way for the payee to know that the previous owners did not sign any earlier transactions. For our purposes, the easiest transaction is the one that counts, so we don't care about later attempts to double spend. The only way to confirm the absence of a transaction is to be aware of all transactions. In a Mint-based model, the Mint was aware of all transactions and decided which arrived first. To accomplish this without a trusted party, transactions must be publicly announced, and we need a way for the participants to agree on a single history of the order in which they were received. The payee needs proof that at the time of each transaction, the majority of nodes agreed that it was the first received. Part 3. Timestamp Server The solution we propose begins with the timestamp server. A timestamp server works by taking a hash of a block of items to be timestamped and widely publishing them in the hash, such as a newspaper or a Usenet post. The timestamp proves that the data must have existed at the time, obviously, in order to get into the hash. Each timestamp includes the previous timestamp in its hash, forming a chain, with the additional timestamp reinforcing the ones before it. Part 4. Proof of Work To implement a distributed timestamp server on a peer-to-peer -peer basis, we will need to use a proof-of-work system similar to Adam Back's Hashcash, rather than a newspaper or a Usenet post. The proof-of-work involves scanning up for a value that when hashed, such as with SHA-256, the hash number begins with number 0 bits. The average work required is exponential in the number of 0 bits required and can be verified by executing a single hash. For our timestamp network, we implement a proof-of-work by increasing a nonce and the block unit, a value is found that gives the block's hash the required zero bits. Once the CPU effort has been expended to make it satisfy the proof-of-work, the block cannot be changed without redoing the work. As later blocks are chained after it, the work to change the block will include redoing all the blocks after it. The proof-of-work also solves the problem of determining representation in the majority decision-making. If the majority were based on the one IP address, one vote, it can be subverted by anyone able to allocate many IPs. Proof of work is essentially one core CPU, one vote. The majority decision is represented by the longest chain, which has the greatest proof of work effort invested into it. If a majority of CPU power is controlled by honest nodes, the honest chain will grow the fastest and can outpace any competing chains. 
To modify this pass block, an attacker would have to redo the proof of work of the block and all blocks after it, and then catch up and surpass the work of the honest nodes. We will show you later that the probability of a slower attacker catching up diminishes exponentially as the subsequent blocks are added. Compensate for this increasing hardware speed and varying interest in running nodes over time. The proof of work difficulty is determined by a moving average target on the number of blocks per hour. If they're generated too fast, the difficulty increases. Part 5. The Network The steps to run the network are as follows. Number 1. New transactions are broadcasted to all nodes. Number 2. Each node collects new transactions into a block. Number 3. Each node works on finding a difficult proof of work for its block. Number 4. When a node finds a proof of work, it broadcasts the blocks to all nodes. Number 5. The node accepts the block only if all transactions in it are valid and not already spent. And number six, nodes express their acceptance of the block by working on creating the next block in the chain, using the hash of the accepted block as the previous hash. Nodes always consider the longest chain to be the correct one, and will keep working to extend it. If two nodes broadcast different versions of the next block simultaneously, some nodes may receive one or the other first. In that case, they will work on the first one they receive, but save the other branch in case it becomes longer. The tie will be broken when the next proof of work is found and one branch becomes longer. The nodes that are working on the other branch will then switch to the longer one. New transaction broadcasts do not necessarily need to reach all nodes. As long as they reach many nodes, they'll get back into a block before long. Block broadcasts are also tolerant of drop messages. If a node does not receive a block, it will request it when it receives the next block and realize it missed one. Part 6. Incentive By convention, the first transaction in a block is a special transaction that starts with a new coin owned by the creator of the block. This adds an incentive for the nodes to support the network, and provides a way to initially distribute coins into circulation, since there is no central authority to issue them. The steady addition of a constant amount of new coins is analogous to gold miners expending resources to add gold into circulation. In our case, it's CPU time and electricity that is expended. The incentive can also be funded with transaction fees. If the output value of a transaction is less than the input value, the difference, of a the difference is a transaction fee that is added to the incentive value of the block containing the transaction. Once a predetermined amount of coins have entered into circulation, the incentive can then transition entirely into transaction fees and completely inflation-free. The incentive may help encourage nodes to stay honest. If a greedy attacker is able to assemble more GPU power than the honest nodes, then he would have to choose between using it to defraud people by stealing back his payments or using it to generate new coins. He ought to find it more profitable to play by the rules, such rules that favor him with more new coins than anyone else combined, than to undermine the system and the validity of his own wealth. Part 7. Reclaiming Disk Space Once the latest transaction in a coin is buried under enough blocks, the spent transactions before it can be discarded to save disk space. To facilitate this without breaking a block's hash, transactions are hashed in a Merkle tree, with only the root included into the block's hash. Old blocks can then be compacted by stubbing off branches of the tree. The interior hashes do not need to be stored. A block header with no transactions would be about 80 bytes. If we suppose blocks are generated every 10 minutes, 80 bytes times 6 
times 24 times 365 equals 4.2 megabytes per year. With computer systems typically selling with 2 gigabytes of RAM as of 2008, and Moore's Law predicting current growth of about 1.2 gigabytes per year, storage should not be a problem even if the block headers must be kept in memory. Part 8. Simplified Payment Verification It is possible to verify payments without running a full network node. A user only needs to keep a copy of the block header of the longest proof-of-work chain, which he can get by querying network nodes until he's convinced he has got the longest chain, and obtain the Merkle branch linking the transaction to the block it is time-stamped in. He can check the transaction for himself, but by linking to the place in the chain, he can see that the network nodes has accepted it, and blocks added after it, further confirming that the network has accepted it. As such, the verification is reliable as long as the honest nodes control the network. It is more vulnerable if the network is overpowered by an attacker. While a network nodes can verify transactions for themselves, the simplified method can be fooled by an attacker's fabricated transactions for as long as the attacker can continue to overpower the network. One strategy to protect against this would be accept the alerts from the network nodes when they detect an invalid block prompting the user's software to download the full block and alerted transactions to confirm the inconsistency. Businesses that receive frequent payments will probably want to run their own full nodes for more independent security and quicker verification. Part 9. Combining and Splitting Value Although it would be possible to handle coins individually, it would be unwieldy to make separate transactions for every cent in a transfer. To allow value to be split and combined, transactions contain multiple inputs and outputs, Normally, there would be either a single input from a larger previous transaction or multiple inputs combining smaller amounts, and at most two outputs, one for the payment and one returning the change, if any, back to the sender. It should be noted that fan out, where a transaction depends on several transactions, and those transactions depend on many more, is not a problem here. There is never the need to extract a complete standalone copy of a transaction's history. Part 10. Privacy The traditional banking model achieves a level of privacy by limiting access to information to all the parties involved and the trusted third party. The necessity to announce all transactions publicly precludes this method, but privacy still can be maintained by breaking the flow of information in another place, by keeping public keys anonymous. The public can see that someone is sending an amount to someone else, but without the information linking the transaction to anyone. This is similar to the level of information released by stock exchanges, where the time and the size of the individual trades, the tape, is made public, but without telling who the parties were. As an additional firewall, a new key pair should be used for each transaction to keep them from being linked to a common owner. Some linking is unavoidable, with multi-input transactions which necessarily reveal that their inputs are owned by the same owner. The risk is that if the owner's key is revealed, linking could reveal other transactions that belong to the same owner. Part 11. Calculations We consider the scenario of an attacker trying to generate an alternative chain faster than the honest chain. Even if this is accomplished, it does not throw the system into arbitrary changes, such as creating value out of thin air or taking money that never belonged to the attacker. Nodes are not going to be accepted with invalid transactions as payment, and honest nodes will never accept a block containing them. An attacker can only try to change one of the known transactions to take back money he recently spent. 
The race between the honest chain and the attacker chain can be characterized as a binomial random walk. The success event and the honest chain being extended by one block, increasing the lead by plus one, and the failure of the event of the attacker's chain being extended by one block, reducing the gap by minus one. The probability of an attacker catching up to a given deficit is analogous with the gambler's ruin problem. Suppose a gambler with unlimited credit starts at a deficit and plays potentially to an infinite number of trials to try to reach break-even. We can calculate the probability that he never reaches break-even, or that an attacker never catches up with the honest chain, as follows. P equals probability of an honest node finds the next block, Q equals probability of the attacker finds the next block, and QZ, the probability the attacker would never catch up from Z blocks behind. Given our assumption that P is greater than Q, the probability drops exponentially as the number of blocks the attacker has to catch up with increases. With the odds against him, if he doesn't make a lucky lunge forward early on, his chances become vanquishly small as he falls further behind. We now consider how long the recipient of a new transaction needs to wait before it's sufficiently certain the sender can't change the transaction. We assume the sender is an attacker who wants to make the recipient believe he paid him for a while, then switch to pay back to himself after some time has passed. The receiver will be alerted when that happens, but the sender hopes it'll be too late. The receiver generates a new pair of keys and gives the public key to a sender shortly before signing. This prevents the sender from preparing a chain of blocks ahead of time by working on it continuously until he is lucky enough to get far enough ahead, then executing the transaction at that moment. Once the transaction is sent, the dishonest sender starts working in secret on a parallel chain containing the alternative version of his transaction. The recipient waits until the transaction has now been added to the block and Z blocks have been linked after it. He doesn't know the exact amount of progress the attacker has made, but assuming the honest blocks took the average expected time per block, the attacker's potential progress will be a Poisson distribution with expected value. To get the probability the attacker could still catch up now, we multiply the Poisson density for each amount of progress he could have made by the probability he could catch up from that point. Part 12. Conclusion we have proposed a system for electronic transactions without relying on trust. We started with the usual framework of coins made from digital signatures, which provides strong control of ownership, but is incomplete without a way of preventing double spending. To solve this, we proposed a peer-to-peer -peer network using proof-of-work to record public history of transactions that quickly become computationally impractical for an attacker to change it if honest nodes control a majority of the CPU power. The network is robust in its unstructured simplicity. Nodes work all at once with little coordination. They do not need to be identified, since messages are not routed to any particular place, and they don't need to be delivered on the best effort basis. Nodes can leave and rejoin the network at will, accepting the proof-of-work chain as proof of what happened while they were gone. They vote with their CPU power, they express their acceptance of valid blocks by working on extending them and rejecting invalid blocks by refusing to work on them. Any needed rules and incentives can be enforced with this consensus mechanism. That was the Bitcoin white paper by Satoshi Nakamoto. Within the white paper, there's a lot of graphs and charts. So I suggest clicking the link in the show notes and checking it out. It maybe can make things make a little bit more sense. And I've never read like a whole Bitcoin white paper before. So if it was a little choppy, I apologize. You can also open the link and read along with me. It is verbatim. I know this show was a little bit different than usual. And I will give you a full recap of the Ethereal Conference in Jackson Hole. And we'll get back to our regular program, Daily News next week. But I want to take this opportunity to make sure that we all had the basis of the Bitcoin white paper. I hope you enjoyed. And remember, you can always email me, matthewarren at decrypt.co. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.